This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor and I'm joined by the whole crew, Jordan, Brady, and David. We're back after a summer hiatus, so to speak. We're ready to get back into Panther football and deliver you guys the great coverage you come to expect from us as we move into the 2019 football season. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? It's football season. Yeah, yeah football's back. So today we're going to get into some Tennessee talk. Uh, for the most part, we were lucky enough to be joined by fellow Georgia State alum and WBIR sports anchor and reporter David Sheely. So you'll be hearing from him in our conversation we had a little bit later in the show. Um, we're obviously going to be spending a good chunk of time previewing our season opener against Tennessee uh, this coming Saturday as of the recording of this podcast. you can find that uh, airing at 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. And we're also going to touch on kind of the state of the Sun Belt, um, kind of get a feel for where all the teams are at getting into the season. I mean, we'll see them until we start conference play, but it's a good idea to kind of get the feelers out, understand what we're up against, see what the competition is looking like. But without further ado, do we want to jump into it, gentlemen? Let's go. Yeah. Um, so how are we feeling? Well, I feel like any discussion about this game, who we're playing, we, we we should get out of the way the idea that it is the line in betting is the way it is for a reason. It's I think twenty six Tennessee. I think Tennessee's a twenty six point favorite right now. I mean, the truth is the odds are stacked against Georgia State in this game, and we're not gonna go through this podcast, you know, talking up like, but this this upset's gonna happen for this reason, this reason because. When they happen, they happen just kind of because college football and because college athletes happen. So that's not to say it's not going to happen, but we're not going to pretend we don't recognize the reality of the situation. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think it'll be fun to watch. It's nice that college football is back, but you're right. I think at the end of the day, Tennessee even if a middling SEC team, you know, they're, they still play in the SEC and they still have a lot of four-star, five-star talents. You know, that's still a good football program that I think, is there an opportunity for Georgia State to show some people that they can still play football? Yes, uh, but I'm not necessarily sure that this is the game that you're going to be wanting to watch from an upset standpoint. I mean, you play the game for the reason, and... If this Georgia State team isn't all the way up for this game and try and you know going for it all the way after having a disappointing season last year, then that's a worrying sign for the season because they should want to be out there, you know, trying to redeem what they showed last year and show that they are a better team than two and ten and non-competitive games. Uh, so from that point of view, I think it, it'll be interesting to see how the team plays if if there's a fast start if there's any energy going on early on honestly i just want them to come out and look very similar to how they did against nc state last year um kind of a similar ball game so to speak on the road against the you know a power five conference team 
one not necessarily expected to be in the upper echelon of that of their respective conference. But Georgia State looked good through those first couple of series, you know, both on offense and on defense. It wasn't like they were overmatched. They were moving the ball pretty well. They didn't allow the big play necessarily to NC State. And then after a while, it became very apparent that there was a little bit of a talent mismatch. And I mean, that happens, obviously. But I think if Georgia State comes out on Saturday and looks exactly like that, that's exactly what we can ask for. And that's what we want to see. Yeah, I, I mean, the the other side of the coin of like Tennessee should win is that all the pressure is going to be on Tennessee. Their fans for the home opener are going to want to see them put up big plays. They're not going to expect much of the Georgia State name. So they're going to say, you know, expect this team to come out and beat down Georgia State. All the pressure is on them and second year with their head coach, Jeremy Pruitt, they're going to want to see a bowl season. They want to see that start game one. So it works both ways in that if Georgia state comes in hot, if Tennessee comes in flat with the expectations mounting and it does stay a game for a quarter, quarter and a half, that's where the bets come off and it, it starts to get more interesting. Georgia state's got a history of this. Uh, They led Washington 14, nothing, in 2014 and it was I mean 14 nothing is a generous scoreline for how the half went for Washington honestly uh obviously the second half went Washington's way a lot and it ended up 45 14 Washington but hang around I mean same thing happened to Wisconsin Georgia State was leading that game in the fourth quarter I think the biggest thing is just going to be not making mistakes to take yourself out of the game, whether that's turnovers, whether that's costly penalties. I mean, it's the same for any team, but for the team who's the road underdog, the big road underdog, if you're turning the ball over, you have no chance. Yeah, that's true. Um, But it's a new season. So, you know, we get to talk about a lot of new characters. Uh, We had some departures last year. Um, And tell me, Anybody, just what do you guys think of the depth chart that was released uh, this week? Anything that really catches your eye? So on the defensive side, what was interesting is that uh, aside from adding in a new defensive end starter in Hardrick Willis, who actually was the starter two years ago before redshirting last year, the starters are pretty much the same across what would have played against Georgia Southern at the end of last year, which could be worrisome because last year's defense wasn't very good. But I think that there's something to, if there's a little more aggression and just guys win their assignments, the stability, there's something to be said about the fact that there's so many starters returning if there's a difference in how they play. Uh, But when you went out and got a, a decently heralded recruiting class on the defensive side and it's all the returning starters, I mean, I think that there's depth from the people that were added this last recruiting cycle. And I think that not just the starters, but most of the people listed on the depth chart are going to play significant reps in this game. So I think that I'll just say it's curious that there's not a lot of change there. And whether it's a good curious or a bad curious, we will see based on how the defense plays at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think that I, I agree with that a lot. Um, I think the biggest factor for the defense last year was health. Um, and I mean, right off the bat, you're looking at Remy Lazarus and Cedric Stone, both the starting safeties, Stone moving over from the corner position. Um, And 
Obviously, neither of them were healthy for the majority of the year. So it's nice to see some familiar names in places. Um, and it'll you're right. It'll definitely be interesting to see uh, how they kind of improve as the year goes on just because they did lose so much development time last year. Um, but I, th- I, th- I think the defense will be fine. And I, I don't. You know, last year obviously was frustrating for a multitude of reasons, but they're older now. And as you keep saying, there's no there's nowhere else to go but up for them, truthfully. Uh, But one one player that really surprised me on the offensive side of the ball uh, is Terrence Dixon. The. Mm Yes, walk-on turn scholarship, who is slated as the wide receiver two this year, which is very interesting. That doesn't happen that often that you have a guy who walks on in the spring, has a killer spring practice, and then, you know, coach just must really see something in him that he likes to put his faith and trust in him this early, which is good. Obviously, you know, we want to see that in the game, but, you know, that's just something of note that surprised me when I saw this initial depth chart. So I think he's, I, I don't know how they designate the depth chart. Um, some schools have like the X, Y, Z designations on the depth chart. So you know, which position is which I think he's probably the starting slot receiver. I believe so too. Cause of which, his height. you know, re- replacing pet, replacing Penny Hart, it, it's big shoes to fill. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, no matter what, he's starting. And that's not to diminish it. I just think that that's probably where we'll see him is lining up more in the slot. And, I mean, I wasn't expecting this because we saw him perform really well in the spring game. But because 25 players, give or take, that are going to be on your fall roster aren't there for the spring because the recruiting class is signed, but most of them aren't going to be on campus until the summer. Sometimes walk-ons get more of a role in spring games because you have to fill out the roster and everything. So I saw it happen and he looked good, but I wasn't really sure what was real as far as the season goes. Cause we didn't know what the coaching staff thought. We didn't know that he obviously was putting in all the work behind the scenes to warrant earning a scholarship. But I said it in my article about the receivers. Once he got put on scholarship, my thought was, Coach Elliott's going to expect him to do what the rest of the scholarship receivers do. He's not going to just give him a scholarship if he doesn't think he can contribute. And now we're seeing the fruit of that because he's starting at one of the three receiver positions. So all the indications are that he's just been making plays. And so if he's the guy who's making the most noise in practice, yeah, you're going to give him those reps and you're going to see what he can do when the lights turn on. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't, I'm sure everybody else will be used well. You know, Christian Owens, the redshirt senior, he's obviously going to be more of that feature fade and deeper route receiver. So you're probably right. It's probably going to be Dixon in that primary slot role. Um, And I know one thing that new offensive coordinator Brad Glenn likes to do is he really likes to run those spread offenses. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Dixon out there a lot, just kind of hanging in the slot, hanging in that role that Penny played so well for Georgia State, but it it's just definitely something of note uh, to see and watch develop as the season goes on. I, it will be interesting to see how they use the smaller receivers like Dixon, like Devin Gentry, because it's possible we see them in some gadget plays, you know, screen passes or, you know, reverses, you know, whatever. But I do think that maybe more so than 
with Travis Trickett previously, it's going to be using them to spread the field. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think that there's going to be a little bit more of a divided role between the types of receivers we have than we'd seen previously. Um, and I think that just based on what we've seen from him last year and in limited views in the spring and all, uh, Christian Owens looked good, and I think that he's second string, but I still wouldn't be surprised to see him on the field a lot, especially if we're going to be doing an empty set here and we're going to be going with four receivers. I think that he'd probably work his way in there uh, as well, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The other side of that is another interesting thing for me where the cornerbacks for Georgia State against a very talented Tennessee and we will touch on the receiving core of Tennessee a little bit with David Sheely later. But I, I just want to say that I, I do think that Jalen Jones and Quavian White are, um, are promising good potential cornerbacks, and this is going to be a good test for them. I don't know how good of a day they have because it's going to be a tough test, but it's going to be a chance for them to show that last year and the struggles they went to meant something. And that's going to be a big thing for the defenses, that the reps that the freshmen got, it's going to be – important to see that them struggling last year meant that they learned something and that they got better for this year and for future years. Right. I think this, I think the secondary this year has the potential to be very, very much so improved. Uh, Saturday probably won't be that test to show you that it has been improved just given the talent and nature of the fact that they are playing at Tennessee. Uh, This, you know, this will be an environment that Georgia state probably won't see again for the rest of the year. Um, maybe army at home. I, I have a sneaky suspicion army at home, but, uh, I think you're right. Jalen Jones and Quavion white. This will really be, it's not put up or shut up time, but this will be a really good test for them just to see that step forward that they took. And who knows, maybe, maybe the two corners and two safeties that we expect to start for Georgia state, maybe they'll have a great game and shut down Tennessee's really potent wide receiver core. Yeah, I'm not putting a limit on them at all. Uh, I think that they're good. I think that it's very possible that the year of learning last year did help. It just it will be interesting to see. I mean, Wade got an interception against NC State last year, so the uh, the uh, occasion didn't get to him there. I think in general with the defenses, is big plays going to happen, limit them a little more, but you've got to create some bigger plays. I think that whether it's this game or just an ongoing thing, we – if you're going to see successful Georgia state defense, it's got to come in the form of more forced turnovers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that starts with the pass rush. Uh, I know, you know, there's a football debate, you know, is it your secondary? Is it your pass rush? I think personally, if Georgia state is going to force more turnovers, they're just going to have to start being a lot more disruptive in that front seven. I kind of want to pivot to a more focused discussion on if you had to pick two or three things that you're specifically going to be watching for on Saturday, what would those be? I think Dan and his arm is definitely something that I will be watching for specifically. Um, I think we know that he can run. We know that Georgia state is returning their running backs from last year. Trey Barnett and Seth page are back. You know, last year was one of the best rushing offenses that Georgia state has ever had, you know, and obviously you have to include Dan in that as he was the team's leading rusher. Um, But I think if Georgia state is truthfully going to surprise a lot more people in the college football world, than 
I think people are giving them credit. It's going to come down to Dan and his ability to throw the ball uh, both downfield and kind of be a little bit better at making those touch passes. Um, I don't want to say last year Dan dinked and dunked because I feel like that's a little harsh. You know, he he went downfield very intelligently, which is exactly what you want to see a quarterback doing. But I also think if he's able to rip it and rip it accurately to his receivers, that's definitely going to help Georgia State go a long way um, in returning to bowl eligibility, playing for a East Division championship. Who knows? Yeah, for me, a couple of points I'm looking at. The first one I would say is the right side of the offensive line. Uh, We think the left side is pretty solid. We think Hunter Atkinson and Shamarius Gamora played together some. Uh, They're both good bets to be in the conversation to be on an all Sunbelt team. If they perform to how they have been the last couple of years, uh, the right side of the line is a little more unproven. There's potential there. Uh, the listed starters would be redshirt sophomore, Pat Bartlett and redshirt freshman, Travis Glover. And then both backups behind both of them are also freshmen. Uh, so there's some youth, but if they can coalesce, it's all about chemistry with the front five on an offense. Uh, it's going to help every part of the game and it's going to keep Dan protected. It's going to keep the run game moving. Uh, and it's just about how they gel. And I think we're going to need to see what the right side of the brain. I think we're going to see what the right side of the line brings. And then the other thing is just the turnover margin. Like I, I brought it up right before we started this discussion, but on both sides, not just because of how the result would go for Georgia State if they don't turn the ball over, but just seeing clean games and having positive momentum, even in a loss in that way, even if it's a bad game for Georgia State, but they don't turn the ball over or they turn the ball over once or you know win the turnover margin, that's a good sign because you're not going to face a team with Tennessee's talent all year. And so if you can take care of the ball, that's going to bode well for games when the talent is a more even match. Yeah, and we, you know, we can talk about them specifically more uh when we preview the Sun Belt later on but a big part of Georgia Southern's success last year was a you know one of the best turnover margins in the countries and if Georgia State is capable of replicating that who knows what'll happen now that we talked about our perspective on Saturday's matchup against Tennessee Brady and I were actually lucky enough to sit down with WBIR anchor and reporter David Shealy um, Uh, to give kind of his take on the Tennessee side of things at a separate time. So you're going to hear that recording right now. David Sheely, appreciate you coming on the show. Welcome to the Thursday Night Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, man. Can't complain. How about yourself? Doing great. Doing great. Um, So real quick before we launch into some Georgia State, Tennessee talk, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Kind of, um, you know, we're both Georgia State alums, kind of your story to where you're uh, what you're doing now. So what's going on with you? Yeah, I was uh, I was a Georgia State student from 2015 to 2018. Um, I started at Hampton University, but then I transferred um, over to the real GSU um, just because I, I have I have family in Atlanta. I'm originally from Atlanta, um, and I, I I wanted to get back. I felt like Georgia State was a good fit for me, and ended up being uh, basically perfect. Uh, everything about it, um, I guess the the non traditional style that the campus is, uh, but it's also D1 sports and um, some of the cool things that the athletics department has been doing over the last few years. So while I was at Georgia state, I was in charge of a student run sports show called primetime sports. And we covered everything Georgia state from 
Uh, it didn't matter if it was football, basketball, women's basketball, beach, volleyball, uh, the golf teams. We, we, we covered everybody at least once. So it, it was something where that experience by itself uh, gave me the opportunity to work where I am now, which is in Knoxville. And it's just so ironic that as that Georgia State chapter ended in December 2018, this Knoxville chapter basically begins with a game versus Georgia State, which I know we're going to get into. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I guess following on on that, when did you make the connection? Like, did you know when you took the job that Georgia State was on the schedule for Tennessee first game? Like, or was it something that you put together closer to college football season? I, I honestly had no idea. Um, when I accepted the job, it was a week after I graduated. And I know the schedule had been out, but I, I mean, I wasn't really paying attention um, because I had just covered my final season at Georgia State. Uh, I think that it concluded the week of Thanksgiving against Southern, or maybe there was a game after that. I can't really remember. No, it was Southern. It was the last game. Um, yeah, I just wasn't thinking about Georgia State football, really. And I sure as heck wasn't really thinking about Tennessee football um, because I was just worried about where am I going to work, not necessarily football season. So uh, when it, then I think after a while, I was like, wait a minute. I think the first game is against Tennessee. Then I looked, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And uh, that was – that was a fun. That was a fun little week or so where I was telling everybody, "Hey, the first game is against Georgia State, so I guess I'll see you guys in Knoxville." Um, and but up until then, you know, you guys take care. So that was that was a little um, I don't know surprising, I guess, but I think it's going to be a weird reality when it actually goes down on Saturday. So speaking of the actual game, week ones are weird for most teams. There's always stuff to get ironed out, and while a Georgia State upset is probably unlikely. If, you, if it were to happen, if, you, if nightmare scenario happens for Tennessee, where do you think the, the, the kinks need to be ironed out for Tennessee where there's going to be issues? That would be along the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, the first depth chart for Tennessee came out this week, and every position along the offensive and defensive line had or on it. And that basically means it could be one guy or it could be another guy. And Coach uh, Pruitt hasn't really – solidified who the starting five is going to be on the offensive line. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, Jared Garantano, which I just figured out that's the correct way to say his name. He waited three years to correct us. But uh, Garantano's been hit a lot. He's been hit a lot over the past couple of seasons. And that offensive line, I mean, obviously you can pretty much blame them. Uh, it's one of those situations where, and Pruitt made a good point when he said, well, the offensive line is kind of unfair because if one guy messes up on the offensive line, it makes everybody look bad. But on the defensive line, if one guy goes out there and gets a sack, it kind of makes the whole defensive line look pretty good and pretty strong. So uh, it, it's kind of a weird double standard there. But uh, those, those two crucial um, um, lineups, that's the weak point of this Tennessee team. And it's well known. That's well documented. It's on film. But I think what really helps them is that Aubrey Solomon, who transferred from Michigan, just got his immediate uh, eligibility for this season after transferring. And then Trey Smith, who had had some health conditions, but he is, I mean, he is a ridiculously strong force on the offensive line. He's put 300-pound men on their butt. He's now clear to play uh, for Saturday's game. So both guys will probably see action Saturday's game. And that will be a big thing for the Vols. So I kind of want to circle back to um, 
your expectations for him from the quarterback positions. So, I mean, you said that the offensive line has been issues or has been the issue, um, you know, in previous seasons. Yeah. So where does that leave your expectations for Jared Garantano coming into the season? Well, I think I have some, I guess, mid to high expectations. I think his ceiling is really high. Uh, last season, I think he set the record for long, uh, uh, pass attempts without an interception uh, for Tennessee. And that's pretty impressive. I mean, if you're under pressure a lot, it's it's uh, really easy to just throw the ball up in the air when you're under pressure, just trying to force a completion. And sometimes, most times, those get intercepted. So I think he has a high ceiling for this season. He can do some great things, not only with his arm, but I think his, he's a little bit underrated when it comes to his legs. If he does have to move out the way, he can. I think he's one of those quarterbacks who just needs time. But Jake Fromm and Tua being in the SEC, those are obviously the top two. Kelly Bryant joins the SEC. I think you can possibly put him at number three and arguably the fourth best quarterback in the SEC could be Jared Garantano. It feels like stating the obvious SEC school has good skill position players, but the thing that stood out to me looking up the opponent was that the receiving core is just really stacked. I was surprised Joan Jennings still was eligible. I thought he was gone by now. Um, I remember hearing his name for a while because he caught that uh, game-winning touchdown against Georgia a couple years back. Uh, who are you looking for in the skill positions to stand out this game, this year? With this game, you know, maybe it's a, a younger guy who might get more reps as the game goes on if it isn't going Georgia State's way, but who are you looking out for? Well, really, it's not even just the wide receivers because I know Marquez, Callaway, Jawan Jennings, I know they're good. I mean, they're they're leaders on this team. They're veterans on this team. People feel like Jawan Jennings has been with Tennessee for the past seven years. Uh, but quite honestly, it's the running back. What are they going to do? They just moved running back Jeremy Banks to linebacker. So now there's uh, Ty Chandler. I know he's one of them. People are looking for him. Tim Jordan's another running back. Uh, I think one thing Tennessee really needs to do is get better at running the football. They don't have that solidified, hey, this is our running back. They certainly don't have a Nick Chubb type or Sony Michelle type, DeAndre Swift. They don't have that. And I, they need to establish a very solid running game. I think that's part of the reason why they brought in, or I guess got uh, Jim Chaney to return as offensive coordinator because he was with Tennessee before. And Jim Chaney's offense is known for being a little bit run heavy. That's what they did at Georgia a lot. I mean, when they came back in the Rose Bowl, Georgia did that by running the football and they were down by multiple possessions. And that's just kind of taboo to do that. It's more common to pass the ball. But I think if they can really establish a good running game, and that's probably what I'm looking for them to do on Saturday, then that just makes the passing game more potent when you throw in that play action and then the RPOs and everything else that Jim Chaney likes to throw in his offense right there. Well, I guess a, a final bow on the game is obviously there's some fans who are going to want, you know, to pound her to sit into oblivion on the Tennessee side. But on a realistic level, what do you think the coaching staff, the fans would want to see as a takeaway from this game? Like any particular keys they'd be looking for in terms of Tennessee or Georgia State? Tennessee. Well, Tennessee fans will probably be looking for absolutely a blowout. Uh, I think they want to know that this team is going to have a high-flying offense. Jim Chaney led Georgia to one of the best offenses in college football. And had it been for a better defensive call, they would have been national champions a couple of years ago. So I think they're looking for an offense that will be flying around. They'll be doing um, all kinds of 
not trickery, but all kinds of creative things that will leave guys open. And then on the defensive side, Jeremy Pruitt is a defensive-minded head coach, but he's not the one calling the defensive plays this year. He handed that off to uh, Derek Ansley. And they're going to look to see if Ansley can really uh, call the defensive plays in a way that makes offenses pretty much struggle, turn one-dimensional and all the above. And then Jeremy Pruitt can now worry about managing the game. Can he just sit back and manage the football game? So there, those are all things to look for in that first game. But honestly, the first three games that Tennessee has are at home. They're going to have Georgia State, then BYU, and then Chattanooga. And BYU obviously being the more difficult one. But still, those are games that Tennessee should win. And honestly, before they even get to SEC play, they should be halfway to bowl eligibility, which they didn't even get last year. So um, that's what fans are pretty much looking for. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, David, for coming on. Um, it was great having you on and, you know, talking a little Tennessee and Georgia State football. Um, you know, some of us will be up there on Saturday. So uh, if we see, we'll give you a holler. All right. Yeah, I will be on the field filming the game. Uh, before the game, I'll be making my rounds, trying to say hello to as many people as I could. So just look for me. I'll be in a Channel 10 T-shirt or a, I guess a polo, whatever, whatever I have on that day. Some paraphernalia from my from my station. So just look for me with that. And uh, sounds good. And do you want to plug your social media or anything? Uh, people can follow you online if they want to hear some more Tennessee football talk. Yeah, sure. So you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. It's under the same name, which is Deacon underscore Sheely. And Sheely is spelled S-C-H-I-E-L-E. That's Deacon underscore Sheely, S-C-H-I-E-L-E. That's both Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for coming on to the program, David. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to David Sheely for joining us. Uh, a lot of really good, insightful information there um, as we are previewing our matchup against Tennessee on Saturday. Um, now to doing a little bit of a state of the Sun Belt. So we're going to kind of touch on each of the teams in our conference uh, and kind of give a little rundown of where they're at, what we could expect from them this year, and what that kind of means for us. So we're going to start off with the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Yeah, it. <laughs> They're a weird team because they're basically solidified as like you know, the Sunbelt royalty, as it were, the the G5 royalty. Like they have a new coach, and yet I have no doubts because of the talent they're bringing back and everything that they're just going to be good. They've just kind of picked up that mantra of just like good football program. So my thoughts on them is they're probably going to win the East. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty stock, pretty fair for them. They're pretty good. Um, really nothing, nothing really too much more we can say about that. Um, I'd say it's, a, it's an easy bet early on to say their quarterback, Zach Thomas is the front runner for player of the year on offense in the Sun Belt, which is the one thing you can say about their new head coach, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, who was the offensive coordinator at NC state is he's really helped develop some quarterbacks when he's at NC state. So a guy who's already had a great year for App State last year gets a quarterback guy coming in as his head coach this year. I mean, it's very possible a good quarterback gets even better. And so that's, you know, great for the Sun Belt. I do have a fun fact about your Appalachian State Mountaineers that I found on, on College Football News's preview. Uh, they've done about pretty much every team, uh, at least the P5, Group 5. Um 
Their fourth quarter scoring, Appalachian State, 122 points in 2018. Opponents, only 38. Yeah, so moving to other fun teams in the Sun Belt. Uh, Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Um, Pants over chance, man. Hashtag yeah, it. That's, that's probably going to be the case this year. Um, they have a new head coach, Jamie Chadwell. I don't really know how well... Mr. Chadwell's going to do. Um, let's be honest, this team, since c- coming up from the FCS, has struggled in Sunbelt play. Um, they had a good 2017 season, five wins, um, but it has not gone well for the Chanticleers. Uh, they're not really returning many starters from a season ago. I think definitely going to be another another long year for the Chanticleers. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's, it's easy for you know us to say, given I think there's a lot of people predicting Georgia State to be in the bottom of the East, but I just don't know. I mean, there's other teams that have more stability with head coach, with a history of success, and just seems like more talent. I mean, I, I don't know what I expect from Coastal this year. Uh, a young quarterback whichever one of the quarterbacks starts, because I think they've kind of still got to solidify who that is. And their defense was similarly to Georgia State's not very good last year. And so experience. Sorry, giving up 33 points a game is kind of rough. But it was a lot of explosive plays. And so we'll see. I I think that that's a a game on the schedule that Georgia state's going to want to circle is just definitely winning. If this season is going to be what they want. Uh, I think that they're in a similar boat with Georgia state where it's kind of a season where the fan base wants to see success at this level. So we'll see how that goes for the Chanticleers. Moving on to, you know, good old rivalry teams, Georgia Southern. Um, I'll be honest. I'm probably a little bit higher on Southern than I want to be. While I don't think they're going to have a plus 22 turnover margin this year, I do think they can still be good without turning the ball over as few times and getting as many turnovers. Um, You know, it's going to be interesting to watch. They return 12 starters. You know, uh, Wirtz is back under center, and although he had... I don't even want to say he had an unusual summer. I will say that. Um, but I mean, he has been a pretty steady force for them turning it around under Chad Lunsford. So, you know, I don't know that I see 10 wins again, but I definitely think by the end of the year, we'll be still looking up at the Eagles, but we'll still, the Panthers will still take care of business in Statesboro because we don't lose there. I'm uh, agreeing with you. I just think they got outgained yardage wise last year and had the, ridiculous turnover margin that you were talking about. So I would be surprised if there isn't a little regression, what that means in terms of win loss. We don't know, but Wirtz is good. I think that a year more on in with the scheme and an off season for teams to figure out, I think it's possible teams figure out a way to make him less comfortable. Uh, Cause basically the motive, the, the basically the MO for Southern's offense was he was comfortable all year they were running successfully. And whenever he did pass, he basically had the time he had the open receivers. And so I think a year on, we'll see how the league has adjusted to their offensive scheme and we'll see if the turnover luck's still there for them. I mean, 
they'd be a better bet than the Georgia State and the Coastal to be in the top part of the East Division. But we'll see. I think that they're going to, if their stats go back to normal a little bit in that regard, we'll see what it means for the rest of it. But they've got some talent. They've got good coaches. And they're going to be a thorn in the side of the Sun Belt, probably. You know, if you look at the way that Shai is able to pass the ball, he doesn't do it often. But, you know, it just seems. That's all That's all it really is. And when you're keying in on the run, you just have to make sure your safeties are very, very capable of being able to backtrack. So. It'll be interesting to see how Southern does. Um, I think moving on to Troy, I'm not really sure how good or bad Troy is going to be. Um, I don't think they have the stability that App State has losing their coach, but I also think Troy is still going to be a team that is capable of competing and winning the Sunbelt Championship game. They get their quarterback back from injury, Caleb Barker. Um, they actually promoted a defensive assistant to be the defensive coordinator. So there is, there's a little bit of stability in the coaching staff. The new head coach, Chip Lindsey, kept on some guys from the defensive side, which is probably a good move because the defense was good. Uh, it, it'll remain to be seen if the new mojo with the new coach and the new teams it's going to click. Uh, they've got a decent quarterback. Uh, it's just, it's going to be about how Chip Lindsay can lead the program. I think uh, they lost some defensive starters, so there might be a little bit of a feeling out period for them. Uh, we'll see them in the middle of the season. So interesting to see where they are then. I'll say two things that really help Troy though, is uh, BJ Smith coming back. Carlton Marshall coming back and their schedule for the teams they have to face at home looks pretty good. They do draw Southern at home. Um, in between that, they will have to travel to Louisiana Lafayette, but they do get App State at home. So that seems, and they also host Arkansas State. So that seems very advantageous for them. So it'll be, as you're right, it'll be interesting to see how that chemistry gels and, you know, the new coach and, just how that team figures things out on defense. And they got a, a transfer receiver, Reggie Todd. Uh, he, for all the world, might be one of the better receivers in the Sun Belt this year. He's a guy to watch out for if you're looking at other teams. Uh, they're really talking him up uh, on the Troy side of things, and they really think a lot of good about him. So it'll be interesting to see how he gels with the new team. But that's a guy to watch out for. Arkansas State. Arkansas State's it's it's a really weird it's a situ- weird situation to talk about in these terms. I mean, their head coach is on a leave of absence because it's just horrible family stuff that's happened. You know, thoughts and prayers to that whole football team and that family. Obviously, their head coach um, Blake Anderson's wife passed away recently, and you know, I could not imagine trying to suit up for a football game. But obviously, the games still have to be played, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, they were one of the better defensive teams in 2018 and, you know, they're largely returning the cast and crew that did that. So I think their defense should be around the top of the Sun Belt, if not one of the best, if not the best in the Sun Belt. But as the case last year, is their offense going to be able to move the ball enough and are they going to score enough points to, you know, win the West division? That will definitely be, up for debate and something to watch as we go on through this season. 
Yeah, clearing up myself, uh, looks like Logan Bonner has just been in Arkansas State his whole time, but he's been understudying under Justice Hansen, so we'll be interested to see where he's at. And yeah, I'd just say on a personal level, any success that Arkansas State has as a program when it's not involving Georgia State, I mean, all the best for them. Hopefully they have a good season and it can and mean something deeper than football. Right, absolutely. Moving on to the Raging Cajuns, you know, um, it'll be fun to watch this offense because they scored 31.9 points a game last year. Um, very prolific offense. They do have a new quarterback this year. They'll definitely need to improve on defense. Um, but I still think they'll be competing for, if not win, the West Division. They get to host Troy and App State which is very nice for them. Um, they do have to travel to Jonesboro to play the Red Wolves, which that being their direct competition, that sucks. But I think the Cajuns will probably be one of the better Sunbelt teams. Definitely projected as a bowl eligible to eight, nine win team. So definitely, definitely a team to watch. Yeah. Head coach Billy Napier looks like he's doing all the right things. He's been kind of a rising name in the coaching industry so it's possible he's not at louisiana lafayette much longer but he might bring him success in the meantime so south alabama's next team uh second year with their head coach steve campbell after he came from central arkansas um it it feels a little bit like a coastal situation it just seems like that there's a little bit of roster turnover still uh it's a head coach who's got a history of winning at Central Arkansas and probably wasn't expected the success he had there. So it might be a case where if they're, they're good, uh, it'll be a nice surprise for them. They're still, I believe a year away from having their on-campus stadium. And I think that them having an on-campus facility is just going to do wonders for their programs uh, potential. I think that it's hard to recruit for the stadium they're at right now just like it was hard for Georgia state to recruit, to have people come play at the Georgia dome with the uh, disadvantages that were there. Um, But in, even in the West, which is probably the weaker of the two divisions, just because of how stacked the East potentially is at the top. I just don't know what I see from them. I don't know what solid play they have in the quarterback. And and it's kind of a league that's going to boil down to, Who's, which quarterback plays the best. It's a little simplistic to say because that's how most leagues are determined, but I think that the ears of how each of the quarterbacks play is going to align with how the teams do, more so than usual with quarterbacks being important. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I agree. I don't know what this team is going to show us. Last year, in 11 of 12 games, they gave up at least 28 points. That's, I mean, obviously it's not going to win you many football games. Um, it's just a team on the defensive front riddled by injuries. You know, a decent offense, but, you know, when you're giving up so many points a game, it's just, it's not going to go well for you. You know, you can't give up 450 yards a game or 200 yards rushing on the ground. That's just not going to help you. So I think if they, if they can tighten that up, um, that's definitely a win in my book for them. I don't know how much they would necessarily compete for the West title. And I think uh, if Steve Campbell's looking for any sort of improvements, it's going to be on that side of the ball specifically. 
that I mean that side just has to get better. We can anybody can play quarterback, obviously not. But you know, if your defense is getting run over like that, it just makes it very, very hard for you to do anything. Which was the Georgia State story in 2018 to a degree. Texas State. Texas State is interesting because them and a little bit of ULM, I feel people are a little higher on both than I would be. I've seen as low as three wins for both of those programs, and I've seen both of them in some previews be bowl eligible. So what are your thoughts on – I know they're not – we can start with Texas State. Yeah, it, they, they made a – they're dodging with a new coach, uh, Jake Spavital, which I probably didn't say right. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator at West Virginia – yeah, I just confirmed that he was the was he was the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. Came over, replacing Everett Willers from last year. Uh, they they had a good defense last year. Uh, they've got some really top tier Sun Belt defensive players. Uh, it's gonna come down to how new coach installs offense. Uh, they he brought in a kind of an offensive legend of Division One football, Bob Stitt from Montana. And so it's going to be about the offensive side developing for them and keeping the good play on defense. Uh, just by virtue of the, the West, like we were saying, not having the necessary front runners that are set, they might be able to make some noise if the offense gets some improvement. But yeah, I, I think that they're a little bit more of a trendy do better than they did last year team than say Coastal or Georgia State. And uh We'll see if it pans out like that, but I can understand your apprehension, but I think the idea is just that the defense is a good baseline to start from and that there are people projecting that the offense can do enough to help the team improve in record-wise. And then lastly, you know, ULM, another trendy, you know, surprise or wild card pick, if you will, for the Sun Belt. Um, They definitely improved last year. I mean, because of the uniforms alone, sure, go for it. I like the uniforms. Uh, <laughs> this is another – they have another good quarterback. It's a decent quarterback league this year, or it should be. Caleb Evans, a little bit similar to Dan, just the way that they go about the kind of offer both sides passing and running. And uh, I, they would be my bet for, you know, the actual team to take a step up in the West. I, I do think they're – Good team. I think they they can make both sides of the ball well, and they've got the quarterback. Whereas Texas State, I don't think they have a solid set quarterback. And you know, ULL may need to may struggle because they're replacing a quarterback. Arkansas State, I think they feel pretty solid about the quarterback they have, but it's also a new starter. I think advantage in the West would go to them for me, just because they know their quarterback and their quarterback's good. And if the rest of the team can coalesce around Caleb Evans. I I do think good things about ULM this year, actually. Didn't know how strongly I felt until I was saying these words out loud. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely agree. Um, I think if they can score a little bit more than they did a season prior. Um, and, I mean, they at the end of the year, the defense kind of got away from them. I'm going to excuse Ole Miss hanging 70 on them because, happens. Yeah, and yeah, it happens. That's pretty stock college football. <laughs> but I think 
I think they'll probably still stay around that six, seven win range. Um, if Arkansas State or ULL slip at all, ULM will have a chance to fight to win the West Division. And I mean, who knows at that point, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how conference season shakes out. Uh, obviously getting a little bit ahead of us because right now Tennessee's the first game, but we just wanted to get a little bit of a baseline with all the teams and touch on all the teams. Uh, we wanted to start there so that when we come back around to them, each team we play during conference season, we already can have a basis which we started at. So that's going to do it for this week. Uh, we've been working on some preview pieces the last month or so. The final one's going to be out on Friday, and it's been covering all the position groups and breaking them down in more detail. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's been looking at them already. Uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, there's links through our Twitter feed. They're on the website, thursdaynet.com. But for now, we're looking forward to college football. We're looking forward to Panther football season, and that's going to do it for this week. See ya. Bye.